Welcome to the Toffee Blues, your source for all things Everton, and welcome to the Bumper Podcast. We've got loads in store for you tonight. We'll be looking back on our win at Goodison against Brighton in the Extra Time Show, and for that, I'll be joined, Terry and I will be joined by Paul and Owen, and then for the rest of the show, we'll be joined by Dan Hart, who we start with a reaction to the signing of Robin Olsen on deadline day. Then we'll have a segment focusing on Dominic Calvert-Lewin's blistering start to the season. And then we'll have a segment focusing on the team performance as a whole so far as the Blues sit top after four games with a 100% record in the league, just in case you haven't been made aware of that yet. And as usual, we'll finish with a classic quiz where Dan and Terry will go head-to-head. Segments are separate on YouTube, so we'll introduce them as we move on anyway. And we'll get straight into it, starting with that extra time as we look back on the win against Bright, which took us top of the league with 12 out of 12. Welcome to the Extra Time show for Everton 4, Brighton and Hove Albion 2. Everton make it four wins out of four in the Premier League. Top of the league. Happy Saturday, isn't it? Again. It's becoming quite a habit, this, isn't it? Start with you, Owen. How are you feeling after that one? No, I just said to you once, every time we win, I'm made up to do these. Love, it's, just these brilliant. Goals, yeah. it's just brilliant talking about a win and positivity instead of Wolves last season and all them other wretched games oh, where it was just, we were such a bind to watch and I don't know, it feels like within the space of a few months it's gone from agony to just pure joy following this football club and everything about it except number one Jordan Pickford but we'll get into the negative at some point I imagine but apart from that I think everyone has really risen to the challenge this season and I can't put. I can't say anyone has at all been bad. Even someone like Tom Davis today just gave everything. Who you think he's probably going to be out of the club this summer? Maybe alone. He just he just fills in wherever um, Carlo told him to today. It was just brilliant. Delft. Everyone's really, um, you know, buying into it. The, yeah, buying into it. Just the man's the 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 man's of the group's brilliant. I think um, the spirit of the Blues is pretty high at the moment. Oh, yeah. And sure, I'm sure there'll be a lot more of those memes getting thrown about on Twitter tonight. You can guarantee that much. Yeah, I don't know. I felt terrible saying that, actually. Oh. <laughs> All right. You'll be hearing it loads now. I can't yeah. wait to clip, clip that up when this comes out and just send it to you all the time. <laughs> 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 we'll get the negative out the way. We'll go to you for this one, Paul, because I know how much you love Jordan Pick. With, uh, he played really well today, didn't he? <laughs> Oh, it was, it was like Fleetwood revisited. I said this to you when we did the video for after that game. I just can't shake this feeling that we're not going to achieve what we look capable of achieving whilst he's in goal because he's just determined to throw it in the net every single game. And can you think of any teams off the top of your head that win things or finish? <laughs> I'm not going to get carried away here, but can you think of any teams that finish really high up the table? And when I say really high, I mean in the top two or three or win trophies that just have garbage goalkeepers, because I can't. Liverpool, 
uh, looked like they were building all this momentum. And then they had that clown and goal for them, the German lad. And he ended up costing them big time when a lot of their fans were saying on the quiet, he's the weak link in this team. He's the one who worries us. And then at the, in the big moments, he let them down. And what happens? He was shipped out straight away and they got someone else. And look where they've gone from there. And I, I just feel like Everton have to do the same now. It's the last piece of the puzzle. And if we can just get a competent level goalkeeper in, then the Wales are oyster, I think. Absolutely. I think it's, it's imperative. I know Carlo Ancelotti came out and said that Pickford was his man and you would be looking to bring in a player. But do you think behind the scenes he might actually be looking for looking at the possibility of bringing in another goalkeeper? They must be, because Carlo Angelotti is not stupid. I mean, he says himself, doesn't he, that he believes in positive reinforcements. He's not the type of manager to just come out and tear the strip off a player, no matter... under the bus, yeah. Yeah, he's not going to rip into them publicly, no matter how bad they are, or how much they let him down. It's, it's just not his way, is it? But by God, by God, Jordan st- Pickford's let him down on a number of occasions it, now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't buy much into what Carlo said about um, Pickford being his man because he was talking up all these players um, the end of last season saying he wasn't slating any of them or talking as if those players were all desperate to be replaced and look what happened first chance he got he went out and bought players better players for their positions and they're not in the starting 11 anymore are they so I can only imagine the only reason that a goalkeeper's not coming before now is just because they haven't found the right one for the right deal that doesn't mean they're not looking, and hopefully they are looking harder than ever now, and they'll get one in before the window. Yeah, that's got to be the big game now, I think, before this deadline comes along, which is obviously in a couple of days now. It's only Monday, I think, when the deadline shuts. So we've definitely got to try and get one in before then. I think it's imperative. Like you say, if we want to really go to the next level, we need that keeper to just make us a bit more assured at the back, I'd say. Not throw it in the net. Yeah, <laughs> that would be a good start. That'd be excellent, yeah. I mean, why the hell not? I mean, goalkeepers stopping shots. I mean, who knew? Goalkeepers but, just catching the ball would be great. <laughs> but honestly, it's like it was what just one thing after the other with Jordan Pickford. But on the other hand, you know there there is a lot of progress being made, and you know four wins out of four. Even when he is making these mistakes so far this season, it hasn't cost us a win, which is excellent. And it's a testament to how well the attacking side of things is going. And, you know, it, yeah, yeah. And, no. Go on, sorry, Owen. I was just saying, it will do at some point. At some point, he's going to do something and it will cost us points because it, it's just so obvious everything he does. He really irritates me. I put on Twitter at half time, he's the worst goalkeeper in the Premier League. And nothing he'll do from now on will change my mind on that. I think he's abysmal. No, he is. He's a disgrace, and you can guarantee it'll probably cost us in that game because it's not like he's got a track no, record yeah. for doing that. I just, I can't stand the man, and we just need a replacement. <laughs> I watched Joel Robles play for Betis against Getafe the other night, and he's no better either. Jesus Christ! I have Joel Robles back at this stage. Yeah. He'd set himself up there to say he was better than Pickford and he just couldn't. <laughs> I watched that old goalkeeper at his new club and he was shite and all. Oh, <laughs> yeah. He was, yeah, but he was just as bad here as well. Jesus Christ, he was about 40 yards off the line. <laughs> what, what, was the, what was the point of bringing him up if he wasn't going to be better than Pickford? Because <laughs> I hate most of our goalkeepers, that's why. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> 
he definitely said no to a picture with Owen, didn't he? Joe Robles. Uh, <laughs> getting the digging. It just you know, all the world. Go out of nowhere. It just, it just read and it walked and talked and, and just sounded just like <laughs> he was going to say, I watched Robles the other night and even he's better. And he just did that, that well, swear on us. He was crapping off. <laughs> and, he, and he's another idiot. <laughs> Speaking uh, of former uh, goalkeepers, I'll just get this in quick. Um, apparently Tim Howard was scathing on the NBC um, coverage of the game. They yeah. asked him, um, did you think, do you think Jordan Pickford is good enough to be the keeper for Everton, essentially. And he, he said, I did think that. <laughs> well, he was so, well, well done, Tim, him. for getting that in. <laughs> to which Tim Howard said, yeah, but he's better than that knobhead Joel Robles, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I watched that Joel, Rob- I watched that Joel Robles for three, three years in training, and he was crap. <laughs> oh, oh, still couldn't replace me, he was crap and all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, class. And speaking of class, the rest of the team were all right today, weren't they? They weren't crapping all, which is great. <laughs> oh, class, that. But, yeah, the, the rest of the team weren't bad, were they today? You know, a couple of really good performances. I mean, we'll start with Dominic Calvert-Lewin, another goal, you know, another goal to set himself up for England duty. Scored in every Premier League game. You know, is he going to do a Vardy? Um, he might do. I mean, he's already flying, isn't he? How many goals has he got now? In um, nine goals in seven games. Yeah, well, it's not even seven. He didn't play against Salford, did he? Oh, yeah, it's, sorry, uh, yeah, nine and six. It's nine and six, and every game, even even today, when it wasn't one of his, he wasn't bad by any means, but it wasn't you know compared to some of his previous games, one of his better games. Still scores like he still, you know, still, you know, that, that was one of his better looking goals as well, and one of his lesser yeah. game. There's a lot of other ones have been a little bit scruffy, as we've said. That one was lovely to on the eye, like his, um, like his goal against Tottenham on the opening day. Proper Just a nice centre forward yeah. header, that one. Tower and number nine header, absolutely class. Um, yeah, you're running out. I'm running out of um good things to say about Calvert-Lewin, he's just great isn't he, he's just transformed himself and put, turned himself into a lethal box striker, outside of that 18 yard box when we're in possession, it's not much good to you, you know, he's, he's not very good carrying the ball, you know, his long distance shooting is, you know, not great, off the ball he's brilliant like he'll press all day long, like what was Rolly Gunnar Solskjaer said, he chases with paper on a windy day but then the second he's inside that 18-yard box, he's lethal. He's picking up like the instincts, to, and he's getting a goal every time he's on the pitch at the minute. And you know he's he's earned the England call up, and now that he's got it, everyone's happy for him. We can now all transition into hoping he doesn't spend a minute on the pitch for England. <laughs> just as a nice training holiday, and then comes home and he hasn't got any injuries, any fatigue, any nothing. Just there, uh, yeah, it's absolutely class, isn't he? He can play five minutes towards the end. So, yeah, just get, yeah. get the England cap and then go on. Yeah. Brace yourself for the next 12 months or so of the media just starting a campaign to get him at Chelsea or Man United because yeah. he needs a step up and he's exactly what those big clubs need. I'm glad that Sunday supplement on Sky has been scrapped now because that would be all they talk about on there for the next <laughs> hour many months. Thing yeah. is, though, it's times times have changed. Like, you, can, you know, there are those those clubs are still... 
you know, bigger names like the Man Uniteds and what have you, but they can't afford it anymore. Like the clubs, clubs will not be bullies anymore into selling players for lower prices. If you want Calvert Lewin, which all uh, you know, everyone, all the, the great unwashed England fans, they'll all be like, needs to go to this club that they live a hundred miles away from. <laughs> they that won't happen unless you spend hundred million plus on players now because you can't like look at like Watford with Sar, he's massive to them. So they're like, yeah, you can have him, but you're gonna pay loads for him. Well, you're not getting them, like, and they've gone. the big one, I think, because like, Joe, you know, everyone's like, everyone, like Arsenal in particular, have noticed like when they go into these players and they get rejected for players from the likes of Crystal Palace, and they're like, why have they got the brass neck to reject an offer from Arsenal? And like, come on, you know, he's yeah. worth that to these to these clubs. You've got it, like, pay yeah. rate, but whatever they want, that's like that's the, the transfer market. And I'm um, I'm not worried at all about losing players now. You don't you lose you can only lose players now if you're a good football club on your terms, and then you can replace them by reinvesting the money. So if if all, if the press are linking our players away, which they were as Paul said, probably will do more and more now as we as we perform better and better. Matter just you know, it's part of football. The, way, the worry is when they're not because if you if you're shite, they don't link your players away from you. If you're good, they do. Simple as that. Yeah, at the end of the day, couldn't get any more accurate than that. Speaking of accuracy, that Thomas Rodriguez barely misplaces a pass, does he? No, let's get on to the Colombians. Yeah, the, the the first ever goal in Premier League history to be assisted and scored by a Colombian. Thomas Rodriguez whips in a peach of a free kick and Yeri Mean and nods it into the bottom corner. What a important goal as well that was, wasn't it? You know, we'd just been pegged back to one all, going right on the stroke of half time, I think it was, wasn't it? And you know, we go into the break with a lead again. Yeah, the massive goal. Crucial. Yeah, yeah, huge. I, I remember I was absolutely livid when we conceded the goals, calling John Pickford for all kinds, and then between Hammers and Yeri, they just they got us out of the mire there, didn't they? And then we go in two one, and then they, it put us in a lot stronger position. I thought it was a great cross. I thought Brian's defending for that set piece. Jesus Christ, they deserve to be bloody put up on trial for that defence, and that's woeful. And then, yeah, they just put it in and then up the toffees. <laughs> yeah, the toffees indeed. But um, on that note, obviously, Hamid Rodriguez scored two in the second half. And the second one of those, I think it was the second. Or was it the, yeah, it was the second one where Decore crossed it. We talk about bad defending. Did you see Adam Webster for that one? Oh, they were all over the place. Like, he literally just needed to head it away and Hamid would never have had a tap in. And like, it he just stoops and lets it drop to Hammers like with a tap in. The four of us would have got one each against them. Jesus Christ, the amount of gaps between their back three. Wait, Owen, you, you need to remember they play football the right way. They're the right way. Well, I was right going to say that. I was going to say, I know, I know he's a bad red shite knobhead, but McManaman was right on commentary and he was saying all Brighton had to do there in that game was just keep launching the ball in the box because they were up against a dodgy goalkeeper in horrific weather. They were going to get chances if they just played long ball, but they kept getting How many short, cor- short corners? What was all that about? Yeah. Uh, just knocking it round it. for the sake they, they were passing it back and knocking it round for the sake of knocking it round. They were not going to play through us. They're just not. They've got no... They haven't got superstar internationals in their team like we have. But as you mentioned then, they're not going to get slagged off in the, in the media because it's Graham Potter and he's, an, he's a British coach and he plays football the right way. E.g., he plays football that gets his team spanked 
and they're going to end up going down most probably, or just they're not certainly not going to get anywhere near the top half playing like that. Well, it just it annoys me that saying plays football the right way. Basically, let's let's teams that are better than him smack his team's ass. Yeah, basically. basically. Well, I was just going to say, better than that, could you? Very true. But another thing, they're everyone's favourite team. We've won one and four now, but so you can't let carry on because he's just going to join Eddie Howe right in that mud. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you can't, you can't help but every show you do is reiterate that Eddie Howe is firmly in the mud. He'll be in West Ham soon. Well, it'd be yeah, even honestly, more if he goes there, at least he's winning games in the Championship with Bournemouth. I don't um, know what part of. Not at Bournemouth no more, Eddie. Is he not? Oh, Jason Tiddles there doing a much better job. Oh, is he? Sorry, go on, Teddy. I don't know what part of playing football the right way um, involves kicking our players, by the way. They kicked us everywhere. They've clearly gone out to kick Richarlison because every time Richarlison plays Brighton, he has their undies off them. So they went, he took a knock early in the week, kicked his ankle, and he did, and he went off. It's like, yeah, they're not playing the right style of football then, are they? And it just wasn't picked up on, going, hmm, they seem to be fouling our players an awful lot here. And you know, if that was the way around, if we were kicking them, it would have got picked up on loads. But because they're kicking us, it's, it's not even talked about. It's all right, like, it's a fair game. But uh, uh, I was thought just one thing, I, I absolutely despise that little weasel, Aaron Connolly. Uh, the, the garden gnome. Yeah, and Stephen. I, 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 like like Paul, I like Paul's Carlo impression there, just who? No, I'm serious. Like, you say you hate, I, I generally, you put, the what, you the put him in the lineup. He's the one who What's he looks like. Uh, he looks like a looks. He has a really punchable face, little Irish fella. But um, he's the one who's not narrowing it down. <laughs> well, he's the one who threw himself under Michael Keane's foot for that VAR penalty last season. Oh, oh, him. That, of an oh. Yeah. Now, now you know. I am serious when I said then. Like, who, who is that? Like, because before they are, they've just lost money, haven't they? I can't tell you one Brighton player now. Now that he doesn't play there no more. I'm serious, genuinely. I'm not saying that to be a smart ass or a dig at them. They're just, they're just one of those clubs, aren't they? We just think, why are they even in this league? Do you know what I mean? They are the new Stoke, but at least Stoke was like, it was half funny when they were kicking people, do you know what I mean? Because it was just what they've always been. Brighton, they were Brighton, do you know what I mean? But I think it's one of them, like the purists don't mind clubs like Stoke because they're like quite historic, but like, yeah, they, they like these northern clubs like Stoke and you know Sheffield Wednesday and that. But you don't, you would, no one wants a Brighton in the Premier League. They're like, they're not like a historic club in any way, shape, or form. They've never really done anything. I think I don't even mind them. I just think the manager's garbage. But it's, I didn't mind them. I didn't mind them till today when they they decided to be an Alehouse team. Just start kicking out like the amount of fouls on our players. Like, all right, you know, I'm not saying. Don't, I'm not being like Arsene Wenger going, don't touch us, but we'll knock you about. But come on, <laughs> you know full well that they were kicking, they were kicking the Charles, and every time he got it, he was fouled. And what annoys me is the commentators are always like, not wrong down with down that, it's always fine. He goes like, down very easily, doesn't he? That Richarlison. Yeah. So because Richarlison, yeah, he does overact. I'm not saying he's never like egged it on, but that doesn't mean oh that's fine. An open season to foul him as much as you like. That's that's it. Now he's never he's never. Um, it's just it's it does me head in, but yeah, fuck them. We beat them. Yeah, they, they've um, they've played football the right way for a couple of games now and got next to nothing out of it. 
It the yeah. it five po- it the woodwork five times against Man United and got nothing. Oh, you win the. Heard you can win the Woodwork Cup now. Yeah, but the anyway, we've 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 strayed into into negativity. We've um. If back I, just on want, the I, just, I just want I just want to lay into Brighton a bit because I, they really annoyed me today and the way they. I don't I don't even mind them, but. The manager annoys me, so I'm joining in. The manager annoys me. Aaron Connolly annoys me. The fact that he only takes your corners, even when Jordan Pickford's in net, annoys me. The fact that he kicked Richie annoys me. It's you know the really the fact, and that the fact that the like a southern club who haven't really got much pedigree in football in the history of English football annoys me, and then in the Premier League. Yeah. Do you know what the really funny I thing is? Do you know what the really funny thing is? And it's really funny this that everyone's been lauding them for the past. Four games, but I guarantee you that more points on the board, kicking his eyes, he'll go under Chris Hughton, and then he will play in the right way. Well, Roy, Roy Hodgson's got Crystal Palace in the top half, and like they're not as fashionable as the so called arch rivals. No, they've got more points and they get lambasted, so not well. Yeah, but anyway, back to Everton being boss. Um, Decore was good in the middle today, wasn't he? Oh, he was absolutely unreal. Like, everyone, well, I'll say everyone, I think a lot of people went into this game a little bit concerned because we didn't have two of the three starting midfielders. I was like, you know, I think we could have carried losing one, but I, I was concerned going, oh, you know, Davies and Sigurdsson, they were awful after the lockdown, but Sigurdsson's been better in this middle three, so I was willing, you know, to see how Davies got on rather than just write them off for the game like a lot of people were. And, we need nobody because Decore just stepped up for the for um, the two missing players. Like, all right, Tiggerton and Davies did all right, but Decore was just a beast. He just does everything. Like he's, you know, he's got the um, he's got the hand in one of the Hammers goals, but the amount of defensive work he does as well. Like you, you think a player's going to get a wrestle possession just... back so often, doesn't he? Yeah, he's so physically like imposing and like powerful, and his long legs just like nick the ball away. You know, when you don't think he's got the, the you don't think he's going to be able to. Absolutely quality. Just a great, great player. Great technical player in the middle. Yeah, it was excellent. And it was probably definitely the best of the midfield. But for me, I gave my man of the match. I did the player ratings before and I gave it to Gerry Mina. Because he scored in such a crucial goal. But also he made some brilliant blocks at the back. He's seen Ben Godfrey's locker getting put in, hasn't he? <laughs> he's he's realised, best day. Let's sort this out because I'm going to get dropped because he was... Wasn't very good against um, he was a West Brom, was he? West Brom. I thought, like... and I, I'm a big fan of Mina, so I, I, but I think if if he hadn't played well today, I think Godfrey might have you know been had his eye on his spot in the team. But he was absolutely outstanding today, Mina. I think uh, Godfrey's going to have to wait when he when he signs on. Well, possibly not though, because Godfrey could well be playing at right back if he comes in, because there's an injury to <laughs> Seamus Coleman. If he might miss the next game. And obviously, John Joe Kenny's ruled out for about a month, so we might be needing someone to step in at right back, unless Tom Davis does it again. I'd say that. I don't, don't I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of Davis particularly, but I wouldn't want to sling Godfrey in. If, if he comes in, I wouldn't want to put him in his first game against Liverpool in an unfamiliar position. I don't. I don't Tom really Davis versus fair. Sadio Mane. Friggin' hell. Yeah, I know. I know that sounds awful on paper, but. Unless Godfrey is an absolute whale beater, unless and he's another in Conku, I, I don't like the sound of that. Just putting him in, in his first game against Liverpool at, and at right back, which is not even his normal position. I think that's a bit, 
a bit unfair, to be honest, but because if he plays in that game and let's say he gets absolutely had on toast, then fans are going to... I know we're all in a good mood at the moment, but I don't want the first impression fans get of him to just be a disaster when it's not really his fault, because I can see Mane just ripping a kid like that a bit. Unless he's far better than I, um, I'm led to believe he is. Yeah, yeah. Right back I'm talking about. Put it this way, let's just not put um, uh, Matthew Pennington in. Oh, he's not still at the club, is he? Unfortunately, <laughs> he is. Yeah. How? How? How's he lo- been given the longest set? He's probably been the longest serving player at the club other than Coleman. Now, he is. He actually is. Now look, garbage has gone. Really? I, I yeah. said that to take the piss. Is he genuinely? <laughs> genuinely. <laughs> possibly, possibly Besic, but uh, yeah, does it tell tells you about some of the crap we've got here, doesn't it? The only the only player to ever get a uh, testimonial from playing it all of his time in the twenty threes. God, just. But um, I mean, with any luck, we only have to think about right back because Coleman could get back. You know, it's two weeks now, and he went off uh, holding his hamstring, but there's no confirmation what it is. It might have just been a little. You know, it might have just been. I mean, how long? To, uh, I mean, I, I don't know how long are hamstrings are um, usually out for. Like, I've no idea. Unless it's a really Long, bad one. It's, it's normally just a nickel, isn't it? Yeah, longer than two weeks, I suppose. But um, let's just hope it's... Because Alan, I, you know, Alan, we all thought growing strain's going to be out for weeks. Said he'll be back with the Liverpool game. So hopefully Coleman's back. You know, be, it, with any luck, he won't go away with Ireland now. I know Ireland... Yeah, I was going to say that. But, uh, Ireland will send him out if he's on crutches, won't he? Oh, God, yeah. Ireland. <laughs> Ireland, well, it'll probably get clattered by Adam Connolly in training. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, but, um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully we can put the first team out against Liverpool and and you know give an account of ourselves because it'd be a pr- I mean as much as the other players have come in and like you know up their game to keep the standards up, you'd hate to go into a derby playing so well and be missing key players, wouldn't you? Like you, you want to put your first team out if you can, but you know there's two weeks, there's a whole two weeks between now and then. Anything could happen, you know what I mean? We could be sitting here, I mean, touch woods, and you know. Players get injured on the international duty, and you'd, you'd, you know, you're suddenly worried about other players then. But um, that lot could lose their inhalers, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we could get our players on some inhalers and they sort them out. Oh, yeah, oh, it's just one of them. Even now, and I mean, we've won seven games out of seven in all competitions, and I still just want that derby right out of the way. Yeah, we could go carry on with our lives after it. That's that literally it. Just get it out of the way so I can enjoy my life. That's no. trauma that that's done that too. Yeah, that's PTSD. I, by the way, four years of it. Yeah, I saw Teddy pick up it, but Steve McManaman's commentary on that game. Christ, oh. he was waiting. For, he was dying for Luca Dean to get booked. Dying for anyone to get booked or just Everton to not win. He's just. A, uh, he's just. A, He's a condescending prick. He's one of these copites who went, when he talks nope. about Everton, he thinks he's an expert and he's not. Do you know what I mean? No, but it, I think it, what annoys me about, I mean, obviously you get all of these ones like that annoy me, but I don't know what about what he is about him. He really annoys me. Like I think I He's think condescending. That's the word. He talks like as if he wants Everton to do well deep down, but you know for well he doesn't. He's like Carragher. Oh, he's not too bad, him. Right? You can tell he's a blue at heart. No, bore off. He's a condescending little idiot. But Every time he played against us, he was an absolute rat. No, but at least at least Carragher's got a bit of a brain on him. Like McManaman's an absolute idiot. Some of the stuff he comes out with. What was it? Romelu, no, Ian Dark come out with Romelu Lukaku, who won number nine for Everton. 
Yeah, he, he listed he listed number nines who played for Everton and included Lukaku. Um, what else would he say? I had it on Twitter. He, he came up with all... scores his first goal when he scored one. He scored one the last league game at Goodison. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His first Goodison goal and literally the last game at Goodison before this, which, which was also on BT. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Said yeah. James Rodriguez at 4.6 million Instagram followers. He's got 46. That's not a big deal, but why bring that stat up if you don't know it? Like, it, like if you'd have just never mentioned that, no one would have said, why didn't he mention yeah. Instagram followers? Like, literally, McManaman needs slapping down, don't he? Like, just, don't, he proper... Well, that one was Ian Park, but McManaman just need, does need slapping no, down Mac- anyway. Mac- McManaman's just up himself and he needs to, like, he pinned off BT. He's notorious, though, isn't he? Like, when he's watching games, he's so biased. Like, if he watches Liverpool games, for example, he'll commentate and then like a, a Liverpool player will go down in the box going you can't do that Fletch and then another oh, Fletch, player oh, Fletch, Fletch, Fletch. The, opposite, the opposite end <laughs> the similar thing will happen and he'll go oh that's fine get up and it's just like yeah basically what you want to happen is what you think the rules are no, and he's not I think that's what irritates me about him over others is that he's so he tries to impose his opinion on you so much you know like you don't need the co-commentator mate sit the hell down Shit, he's just. I, I long for the day when Amazon did this for a bit, you know, before COVID. No commentary. They had an option where you just had stadium effects, so you had no commentary and just the sounds of the crowd, and it was the future. It was amazing. And since we've gone behind closed doors, <laughs> it was. It, since we've gone behind closed doors, it is still only Amazon that offer that. But because there's no one in the ground, they've said, right, well, that that button to switch the commentary off is now switched the fake crowd noise off. So I want every channel to just press this button and you can swear the fake crowd noise and press just this the other button. As well. I just want to hear the players swearing at each other. That's all I, I, I want to I, I just want to hear Spirit of the Blues on a constant loop for the whole game. I want to hear Carlos sing it after we've won a trophy. That's what he's going to do, isn't it? <laughs> Might never sing it, but I'd love to hear it. Wouldn't mind. A couple of times, when, you know, to be honest, you know, having a bit of an encore as well, why not? But anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll finish off on, on this one with, you know, 12 points out of 12, top of the league. I mean, what better way to sum it up than that? I mean, it wasn't a perfect performance by any means, you know, like, like, like you say, we've had a couple of mistakes there, but, you know, you're getting the, we're getting the results. And that, that's, oh, that's all we can do. I mean, we're far from the finished article, but we're getting there by the looks of it. Four wins out of four, top of the table, going into the international break. I think that was my favourite performance so far, to be honest, because we were clearly stretched into with injuries and plays going down. Yeah, very promising. Very, very promising when you, your second string can come in and do the job. Yeah, and we were much better than them. From minute one to minute ninety, he didn't throw it in the net and half time. It would have been four or five nil that because it would have just gone away from them, and they just they didn't do anything. I just think we contained really well in the second half as well, and obviously scored towards the end. But it was a great goal, so really pleased with that one. I think that was my favourite one so far. I think it's probably your favourite one as well because they've beaten one of your less liked teams, should we say? Oh yeah, that 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 um that that's always good, but. You know, I just thought the performance was very I good. More, I just want more teams to play the right way against us. I want everyone to play the right way against us because that will mean more points for us. Absolutely. 
let's keep on keeping on. So there you have it, guys. Let us know your opinions on Everton 4, Brighton and Hove Albion 2. Everton also played football the right way, the winning way. Everton, 12 points out of 12, top of the table. Let's all get a drink down us. You know, let's enjoy our weekend, another weekend with another Everton win. Terry, Dan and myself are going to be reacting to the news that, of course, came through very late on transfer deadline day on Monday night that Robin Olsen has joined Everton from Roma on a season-long loan. Terry, how, how have you responded to this one, of course? We've brought in Sweden's number one to challenge England's number one. How did he compare, first of all? Do you think, do you think this is a good signing? I mean, I don't know. It, that's, I, I can't say that I've seen a lot of them, but... You know, a lot of people who have seen him, you know, they've been some very mixed reviews about him. You know, people saying he's not very good. Some people saying, you know, he doesn't have to be very good to be better than Pickford. I think the best way to look at the signing is not to see it as a replacement for Pickford um, in the long term. I'm choosing to look at it as sort of like, almost like a Sadibe type signing, but a goalkeeper. Sadibe came in and it was a real tussle between him and Coleman for the right-back spot all of last year. There were times where Sadibe was just, he had to start. You know, he offered a lot more going forward than Coleman. And then there was other times where Sadibe, you know, didn't have a prayer because Coleman was just a much better defender than him. I know you won't get that much difference in terms of goalkeeper, but I don't see Olsen as being brought in to replace um, Pickford. He's been brought in to replace Lazel in, in yeah. a in a sentence, he's, uh, he's been brought in to replace Lazel because I don't think the management really trusted either of the two backup goalkeepers to challenge Pickford. Because let's be honest, the way Pickford's been performing, if they did, he probably would have played by now. Um, so I'm interested, you know, if he comes into the team, it really will put the frighteners on Jordan Pickford because if he gets dropped, it means he's made another mistake. And he might not get the place back. You know, it's a, it, Olsen's got the chance then. And if he doesn't work out, send him back, same as we did with Sadibe. So I don't think we were ever going to replace Pickford in the time we had left. Sergio Romero might have been able to do that because I think he's a very good goalkeeper. But I think this is just to um, give the healthy competition that we've got all across the squad, but we unfortunately didn't have a goalkeeper. Yeah, I think that's definitely how, how this situation is. Dan, what about you, mate? How have you just reacted to this signing? Well, uh, see, I think uh, I'm I'm on the same um, the, the wavelength as as um, as everyone everyone else at the minute. It's just you know, is he the one to actually put pressure on him as as much to actually replace him as number one? You know, he's thirty. You know, we don't know. Well, I don't know much about him, like, or you know, if if Pickford does one more silly error, then I think Caravan. Uh, I I I just think he'll he'll just take uh, him out right away. You know, it's um, you know, you just can't let this happen every week. It's nearly every few games he has an error in him, and and we just can't keep affording to to lose uh, goals or points. You know what I mean? It's it's just not. It's not good enough. So I think um I mean as as he said, Carl um said, you know, the training pitch pick, picks itself for the game. So if he starts 
performing in training and he, he, he might actually look at him and go, you need to sort your head out, you know, like, because he's actually all right. So, name, I just hope this puts Pickford under a lot of pressure and I hope it, it makes him perform better. In a way. Yeah, it's possible that Pickford's become a lot more, I mean, well, I say a lot more, he was already quite an arrogant character, mm. but the fact that no one's really challenged him for that jersey makes him feel untouchable at times, I think. Yeah, and then... It's and a bit like, cocky. Yeah, and it came to a point where, you know, where you, I just don't want him to turn into, like, Joe Hart. Mm. You, know, you know, he's already been to a World Cup, and he's England's number one. So he thinks, right, I'm, I'm, I'm Sammy. Yeah. I've got, I've got no pressure at my club. I'm all right. I'm, no, no, I'm number one at my club and England. But the way that is starting to go, Nick Pope and Dean Henderson, they're actually quality, um, you know, they, they, they are good players. So I hope it just changes. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, one interesting point about Robin Olsen is he's six foot five, very yeah. very tall goalkeeper. So no issues with dinosaur arms there, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was the first thing that um, I actually looked up was his his height. <laughs> like six foot five, so well, so's Russell. Russell's tall, but it's down to it's down to their quality. So. I just hope he, he, he put pressure on him, in a way, in training. Absolutely. Yeah, so what what, what, do, what do you think we can expect? Will Olsen, I mean, obviously Pickford's not been playing well, but will we, we're hoping we will see a bit more of Olsen than we certainly have of Jonas Lussell. Will that be the case? Will we get to see him even in the Cups when Joe you know, Pickford's still be getting picked for Cup games? Surely we'll see a bit of Robin Olsen in the in the cups, maybe even if he doesn't end up replacing Pickford in the league games. Yeah, I think he'll come in in the league at some point. Like I, I can't see Pickford suddenly turning it on and not making any more mistakes because there's challenges, and I think he's only one mistake away from being dropped, and it, he's not going to not make the mistake at some point. I think Olsen will come in. And there's nothing to say that Olsen might not be dropped again after that. It's not it's not a healthy thing to be, you know, switching between goalkeepers, but I can't see I can't see Olsen being the same as as Lazel. I just don't see it. Because how bad can he be? You know what I mean? Like he's not gonna be so bad that like, oh yeah, we can't put him in at all. I think he'll come in, he'll have a spell of games, and then it's on to him then whether he, he you know, he, he grasps hold of it because he doesn't need to be spectacular to impress a goalkeeper he just needs to be consistent and steady and you know low profile not everyone's keeper is a talking point every week and ours is like even when he plays well everyone like sort of go oh didn't pick for play well because it's so rare these days yeah it's it's he needs commending for not making a mistake and having a good game you know what i mean it's like most um clubs successful clubs have a low profile keeper and if that's what um, Olsen can do when he does come in, whether it be at the Cups, be it you know, eventually in the league, then I think he'll... I, I don't see us... Unless something like extreme happens, I don't see us signing Olsen at the end of the year unless he's absolutely brilliant all of a sudden. But I think next summer, 
we're probably going to be after a new number one keeper. It's I don't whether Pickford plays well or not. I, I don't. I think it's too far gone. I think next summer, you know, the way our midfield was the priority going into this this summer. I think it'll be goalkeeper next summer. We'll go in and be like, right, we need a new number one. Same way Liverpool did with Allison. Same way City did with Edison. I think we'll go out and buy Carlo's keeper. But with regards to this season. Olsen or Pickford, it's either one of them. I don't think either one of them will be playing goalkeeper for us next next season. But either one of them can play it for this season. It's just a tussle, same way to Debay and Coleman, has it? That's a very good way of looking at it, I'd say. And I spoke to uh, Richard Hart, uh, not Richard Hart, Richard Hall from Football Italia about uh, his performances at Roma and all that. But what, what he said was this transfer deal is low risk, high reward. And for me, for me, that's probably the best way of putting it. It's like there's not a lot. We're not crippling ourselves financially by bringing this player in, you know. And if it does work out, then that's great. Yeah, honestly, I don't think either of them will be our keeper next year. But I think either of them could be our keeper for this year. It's the way I look at it. it it's it's down to Pickford to keep his share now uh, because he's got someone in. The manager's bought a goal, well, not bought. The manager has brought in a goalkeeper in a form or a fashion. If that's not Helen Pickford, you need to sort yeah, your. We've got our eye on you now. He, he needs, in especially in a in a tournament year. I know we, last season was a tournament year until like you know until March when everything happened, but he he's he's flying by the seat of his pants. He's hanging on by a thread to his, um, his positions, I think, for both club and country, and only he can fix it. If he, We know he's got the ability. His first season at Everton, he showed he had the ability, but he's been terrible ever since. So he's got a challenger now, and it's it's up to the him. O- to- the onus is on him, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we'll leave it at that. Anyway, over to you, Jordan Pickford. Are you going to turn it on? or It's just it's literally shape up or ship out, isn't it? Well, that's it. Go on, Dan. No, no, just, you know, you're, you're right, and you know, it's one more, and you are, you, like, you might actually have, like, a go at him this time, because he's backed in, you know, you know, the, he's been backed, you know, like, since, since we came back off lockdown, you know, the, the matches have been played, and he made a few errors, you think, and one against Chelsea, uh, the one uh, at home against Leicester where he went through his legs and clean had to clear off the line. You're going, what? Like, like where's his header? You know what I mean? And Carlo was stuck by him now. But now, last week, I think it's Brighton for me. That was it. Like, yeah. that really annoyed him so much. <laughs> you could tell Carlo didn't enjoy that one one bit. Oh, no. And, but... For every mistake he does, he pulls off two good saves, and you're thinking, how long can this go on for? Like, he, he can do an error against Brighton, but then he can, the next game, he'll put up an, an absolute worldy against whoever, you know, Liverpool, and you're thinking, like, you can't, you can't keep doing that. You can't just keep relying on, oh, yeah, like, I'm all right, because I've just done, like, a great save there. No, like it doesn't work. Like Cat, that. Yeah, I've got to start catching crosses for starters. I mean, the, the one last week, and he went under any threat. 
normal weren't standing on him or like, you know, shoving him about. He just, all he had to do was just catch it midair and he didn't. And I think for, for Carlo, on, uh, for, for Carlo, he just, he's had enough. Yeah, I think we all have. And I think Robin Olsen, it'll be interesting to see how soon it is until we get our first glimpse of Robin Olsen. If Pickford carries on the way he's been, it could be sooner rather than later. We're going to be focusing on the form of Dominic Calvert-Lewin in the early stages of this season. Dominic Calvert-Lewin is on nine goals out of... Is it five or six games? Six games now, isn't it? Nine goals out of six games. What a start to the season. In the England squad, of course. You know, you, you can't ask for much better from your number nine. Everton's number nine. He's really starting to show that he's a player worthy of wearing that shirt. When there was a lot of question marks, let's not forget, when he was first handed that shirt number. But he's really showing why he's, he's worthy of that shirt. He's been absolutely excellent this season. We'll start with you, Dan. What do you think has been the, the sort of the reason for Calvert Lewin's improvement in the, in form at the start of this season compared to yeah he had a bit of a goal streak at the end of last year. What's sort of been the difference? Well, I think at the end of last season, um, I think it was an, um, an actual a wake up call to to everyone and especially Calvert Lewin because after the lockdown games, he he, he didn't really do anything. Good, you know, like I don't think he scored, so I think he's went away and he's trained and he's worked on it. And and you know, and I think he believes in himself now and he's at that age now where he's think right, I I need to peak now because because he's he's played under uh, you know, uh, you know, human and uh, Michael uh, Sylvan and now. And, and and where we are, and you can't ask for a better coach. And as uh, Carlo Ancelotti, do you know what I mean? Like, and I think he's actually he's worked on him, and he's stopped buying, and you can't ask for anything more. And especially Big Dunk. Yeah, that's that's a very good point with with Big Dunk. Certainly done wonders for Calvert Lewin. I think that was the point where his Everton career really turned around was when Dunk took over as caretaker and. I think that was when we first started to see him bagging goals regularly. Yeah, you know, like that. That's what he's probably just told him: go away and watch, watch Alex to me, watch how I done it. I gave centre halves an headache. Make you, you know, like he and and you can see it, and he's trained and he he's bulked up, and he but. He doesn't have to run everywhere. Do you know what I mean? Don't don't run side to side. Just stay there and make yourself known. In a way, do you know what I mean? From minute one, make yourself known, and that's what he's starting to do. And the goals that he's scoring now under under the um, Paul is that they just one touch goals, and that's what he said last week. He went, "I'm telling Calvert Lewin." Just be there at the right place at the right time, and you'll score. And he's worked on it because because there was times in games where he weren't there, and he was like a step behind. You thinking, oh, like just train on that, and he's scoring now because he's there at the right place at the right time. So yeah, I think worked on. Definitely, I think Carlo's always liked having strikers in his teams that score these kind of one-touch goals and. 
it's obvious that he's been wanting to get that out of his number nine here and the start of this season we're definitely seeing that I think a sort of statistic I think it's like 12 out of his last 13 goals have all been one touch finishes yeah yeah and even when he, he took charge last um well in December and like like nearly all of his goals now are just like you know just be there and 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 I think it was when was it after Palace I think it was and he came out and he went I've trained in Zaghi and I told in Zaghi like just be there and, and I think that's what he's he's coached them to be like. Yeah, I think that's the kind of mould of striker he's looking for and he's always had one everywhere he's been. Mm. Uh Terry, what what is there anything else you've got to add maybe that might have been a factor in Calvert Lewin's upturning form, anything in particular? Just Hard work. Like I don't understand how anyone can not like Calvert Lewin. Like he's uh, all right. It's easy to say that now that he's scoring all the time, and you know, like when he wasn't scoring as much, that was when he got more criticism. But there are still people who don't. But it's like everything about the lad's just ideal. Like he's he was really, you know, you don't know them obviously, but from everything you hear and see, you know, he seems like he's very dedicated, very down to earth. Like you know, Humble he's never. Lad. Never in any media trouble or anything like that. Seems like he, he he literally just seems like he works his bollocks off for the team to improve himself. Since he's come into the first team, he's improved every single year. And only now that he's got a top manager that like who's took one look at him and, and every other manager he had, all the jokers we had before Ancelotti have gone, he works hard and runs a lot. We'll just have him chasing all the channels down and running after lost balls. And as Ancelotti went... Nah, he's a box striker. You need to get him in the box and he'll slot. And now he's doing it because our actual proper managers have to look at him. But even before that, like when we we I think we got a little bit spoiled with Lukaku. We had a, a bona fide twenty plus goal a season striker for several years, and we we literally relied on him for everything. Then he went, and we struggled to replace him. Like we suddenly felt that vacuum. And Calvert Lewin was at the club when he went. He was just a kid. And he was because we didn't repl- get the striker in on the deadline day um, when Lukaku went. We we basically relied on Calvert Lewin too early, but he stood up to the you know the scrutiny and the the pressure and frankly the abuse that he's been getting ever since that. Don't forget, since Lukaku's left, Calvert Lewin has sought off quite a few. You know the clubs brought strikers in to replace Lukaku and really replaced Calvert-Lewin in that time and every one of them has fell by the wayside. Sandro came in, didn't get a sniff. Tosin's come in, did all right at first. Moise Keane. Now he's not in it. Moise Keane's had to leave. Calvert-Lewin, against the odds, has established himself as the top striker of the club. He's took the number nine shirt on, he's took that spotlight. He talks dead well after every game when he's speaking. You know, all he's talking about is just working hard and the rest takes care of itself. Absolutely ideal for the club and made up that we've got him on a long contract and he's he, is, he, he, he really he reflects the values of this club, doesn't he? Yeah, he's just he, he is everything I think you should want in Everton number nine. Great attitude, great worker, off the ball. Opposition managers were actually talking about the way he works off the ball. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said that Dominic Calvert Lewin chases pieces of paper on a windy day. So not like Lukaku could score and was a beast when he got hold of the ball and was running at defences, but Cal, you know, he did nothing off the ball. 
And I, I always thought Lukaku, for all his strength and his presence, never really roughed defenders up enough. No, he was he, he was a great striker who, who scored us a lot of goals. So his his weaknesses, you know, you sort of accepted. Calvert Lewin, you know, Calvert Lewin needs to be the same. Like his weaknesses aren't work rate though. Like he he closes down the opposition all day, every day presses. He's always in the box making himself a nuisance. He's a great header of the ball. He's a great slot. The only thing he can't do, he's not very adept at like picking up the ball and going past the man. But there's plenty of strikers like that. Don't you know? Like if they're good at everything else, they're always going to have one weakness. You're not going to have the complete package. He's got less weaknesses in his in his overall game than Lukaku, really, because Lukaku had a bad first touch. He was very poor off the ball. Calvert Lewin's only got the one problem. And frankly, and, 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 and by the way, Marhoff didn't not pace. Yeah, it's it's not pace. That like shows how much he watches Everton. Um, but yeah. I think Calvert Lewin, and just bear in mind, we're recording this bef- this segment before the England game that he's starting. So um, if anything happens in this England game, this this segment's going to be quite weird. So hopefully it's because oh, he's got. Oh God! No, 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 no. Hopefully because he scores an hat trick, not because anything bad happens. But oh, okay, okay. Yeah, he's got, so he's he's deserved everything he's got because he's he's grafted his arse off for it against the odds. It hasn't been easy for him. Supporters. Other, you know, like they've, they've wanted other players to do it ahead of him, myself included at times. I was a big Moyes Keane guy, but I've got to just take me, you know, in true Calvert Lewin fashion, I've got to just take me hat off at this point and just go, you know what, this lad's made the shirt his own. He has, really has. Yeah. And he's made the uh, golden boot his own if he can, he's on at this rate. Well, yeah, let's hope so, eh? Next up, we have got the season review so far, if you like. We're going to have a little look into our the reasons for our blistering start of the season, which leave us top of the table, 12 points out of 12, through to the quarters of the Carabao Cup. Should be a very positive show, so we'll get straight into it. What a start to the season it's been. Uh, we'll start with Terry on this one. What would you say is the main reason for our upturn in form? Carlo Ancelotti. It, I think the pieces, the majority of the pieces have always been there. We've always had good players across the squad. Obviously weighed down by a lot of you know crap players as well. But not you know we've now brought in that little bit extra to you know complete the. I don't want to say to complete the jigsaw, but like you know like the 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 missing parts that we had to get things running smoothly. We needed that holding midfielder. We we thought we had one with Gabamon, but then he got injured. Um. So we've got Alan now. We could have been a lot better last season if Gabam and things had gone differently. Uh, we've got that creativity in James Rodriguez. We've got that bit of presence in Decore. Everything else around it has just clicked. You know, Coleman looks like, you know, five years younger. Dean and Richarlison have always been quality. Like Michael Keane, I was a big critic of him. He's turned it round under Ancelotti. It's the manager. Having a top manager makes a hell of a difference. And you can tell that when you look around the other clubs who've got, let's be honest, better squads than us, certainly, you know, higher profile squads, who aren't as good as we are at the minute, the Man United, the Chelsea's, because they haven't got managers who are half as good. They haven't, well, put them two with, you know, Lampard, not Solskjaer together, the two of them combined aren't half as good as Carlo Ancelotti. He's making Everton a force this season. How long it will last, how far that will go, who knows? I'm not being, 
you know, not jumping all over a good start and saying, oh, we're in the title race and all that, because we're probably not. But we look at different sides, just a couple of his players in, in the key areas that he's identified weaknesses in and all the other pieces of suddenly, like, you know, on um, Ultimate Team, when everything starts, you know, all the chemistry starts joining up. It was like we just needed to slot those one or two players in and all the lines have gone into the right colours. And that's all it needed. And only to, only good managers can do that. You can look at Man United. I use them as the perfect example. They've got loads of good players, but none of the uh, none of the chemistry lines work because they haven't got a manager who can tie it together. And we have. I mean, that, that, it's, a, it's such a massive difference maker. Dan, what about you, mate? Have you got any more possible factors? I think there's one that we haven't touched on quite quite yet. I think you might bring it up. Might be, guys. Yeah, I thought it might be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he is he is the complete package of someone who we've been, you know, someone who we've needed in how long since, I don't know, ever. <laughs> he is, he's just, he's three steps ahead of, of everyone. So he's like, I want you to give me the ball, you there, because I'm going to spread the ball about 30 yards that way. And it's just, and he splits splits teams open like that. He's just absolutely class. But I think as well, as part of having a top class you know, a manager is the mentality. That's for me, that's key. The, the, the mentality of a team is it can go far because he would have known last last week he went to one all under Marco Silva, he would have known, like, you know, to, to have been through it, lost it, what, you know what I mean? But having a top class a manager goes a, a very long way and, and it's and it's starting to show now. Yeah, it, it's, that's, that's, I think that's a, a crucial element. I mean, it's always important. I think what was really telling for me was the Brighton game when we had a few injuries, the squad was a bit depleted, and no matter who was on the pitch, they still turned up. Yeah, and and I think because they love the manager, they want to play for him, and he, he wouldn't want to play for, you know, the Calvin Gelati, do you know what I mean? Like, he is the best one in, in football, do you know what I mean? So, um, or it's also depth as well. We have squad squad depth now, do you know what I mean? So we had injuries against West Ham and 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 you're thinking, oh, who we turn into here? And then the all the all turn outs, Higginson's even starting to like turn up now, do you know what I mean? So Tom Davis turned up at right back. And yeah, and you're thinking they all wanna play for him because they all respect him. And is and I've been reading um his uh, his book as well, Calangelo Lotti's book, and he says, uh, and the main thing for me was um, how many times do fans turn on the manager after an every defeat, saying, get them entertaining the next day, get them entertaining and work them, and he and he says no in his book. He says no, you don't work it like that. What you do is that you don't dwell on a loss. You leave it now, it's gone. Just after as normal. And I'm thinking, oh, oh yeah, 
<laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I've seen. I've read that in his in his book as well. Like the chairman and stuff, he has to often explain to like club owners because club owners will say after a bad defeat they need to come in and you need to you know you know basically whip their ass for the, for two days and he'll go no I'm giving them two days off because then when they come back that defeat's well gone and they've yeah. got the back, the back at it and it's just little things like that it's just the mentality that that's why he's worked at so many top clubs because the talent's always been there for him it's just about the mentality and the man management and he's applying that here along with you know his expertise in bringing players in and setting up the team tactically. The, the tactics and the recruitment have never really been anything he's got credit for because he's, he's turned up at Real Madrid where they've got quality players and he, you know they get the players bought for him. I think that's why he likes to be here because he gets his hands fully into it here. We saw what he was capable of in this way. I was saying this to Richard Hall yesterday. He, he did this at Palmer in the late 90s and built Palmer into an absolute force. I mean, we're talking obviously 20 years down the line now, but he's, it looks as though he's trying to do something similar here. Mm. Hope he does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, Palmer won the Cup Winners' Cup, I think, didn't he? So, with that boss team, with Buffon and everyone, Cannavara won all that. Been strange circumstances. I'm sure when he arrived, he wasn't, you know, he couldn't predict that we'd have lockdown and, you know, games behind closed doors. But I'm telling you, if he can get us into Europe or especially win us a cup, then he's he's succeeded where every Everton manager in the past 20 years, 25 years has, has failed. Because yeah. good league finishes are one thing, but this club, this club is not built on good league finishes. This club's built on trophies and success, and it's been too long. It needs to happen. And you're never, ever going to get a better manager to achieve that than this one. Because he's got yeah. the track he's, he's as good as it gets. Yeah. Like, see, I was out on uh, Saturday uh, and uh, speaking of the match and all that with um, my dad. And, and, and my dad, and he's been there, done that, my dad, and he's seen a lot. You know what I mean, And he's like, this is what it was like in the 80s. You weren't scared of going into a match anymore. I know it's only been four games, but the difference of having him as a coach and and you think, oh, well, yeah, you know, like he just gets it. You know, like he likes it here. He likes that Everton. He likes where he lives, and I think that goes like into a key part as well. That's so, that, that. It's massive when you compare it to like to Ronald Koeman, who was constantly on the golf course in Cheshire. Yeah, yeah, and. He's got respect for the club, and because this is what it is, he, he loves how the club is a family-run club, and the passion and the the ambition that we have, and that's what he likes about us. So if he likes us, then and we we'll love him, and we, and we love him, and we'll go far. And, yeah. And big air. he's only nine months. He's only nine months into his contract, and now look what's happened. He just transformed the team into a an absolute powerhouse at the minute. And yeah, there's for me, there's a lot more to come. Let's hope so. Uh, and on the note of who else we've like we've brought in, I think Decore's made a massive difference to this team. I always thought we were lacking in physicality in the midfield, and we've been crying out for a big presence in the middle of the park. And I think we've finally got someone who provides that in Decore. I don't think um, 
I didn't think Takore would be as good as he has been defensively. I always imagined he'd just like be going forward, but not contribute as much defensively. But for us so far, like, like, like a Gravison type player. Yeah, it's like the way I can describe it is it's it's Allen's like the Barry, and he and Takore's like the McCarthy, isn't he? Like the you know, both defensive midfielders, but McCarthy, you know, was a, got about the pitch a lot more. And actually, I tell a lie because Alan's Alan's not stationary, is he? He's just running. But but that sort of dynamic where you know, Takore will go forward a bit more than Alan. But the main thing they do is provide a platform for the rest of the team. So now Richarlison and Calvert Lewin, they were scoring last season with absolutely with training cones behind them into in midfield. And now they've got competent midfielders with a base to work from. They're scoring for fun. Like Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, obviously um, uh, James Rodriguez, Luca Dean, even Coleman, they are all got a new lease of life because they know they've got their bases covered now, whereas last season... We didn't have a defensive midfielder. At all. We were play- we, you know, Gomez looked terrible because you know, he's he's in a role that just can't play. Sigurdsson looked terrible, same reason. Davies looked terrible, same reason. Now they're in a three-man midfield with better defensive players around them. It's allowing them to play their game a lot more. It's, we're definitely seeing the rewards for that. I think that's an interesting point, is that we talk about the McCarthy-Barry axis under Martinez, but even that, we've got two dynamic players there. Alan's a lot, like you say, a lot less stationary than Barry, while Decore does a lot of the McCarthy work. That's a lot more energy around the midfield than we even had back then. And yeah. that's that's crucial to a successful team. I think nowadays, you look at the, the Liverpools and Man Cities, they've always got like bundles of energy in the middle of the park. Well, we've got a middle three, whereas back then it was a middle, you know, double pivot. It's, you know, two players. Middle three is a lot different. Um, we we've never, you know, as far as I can remember, played a four three three at Everton like I wanted us to for Yonks. I didn't think we would do it. I thought he was married to the four four two, so it's been a nice surprise. But whereas Barkley used to float off the striker in the four two three one, now Gomez is part of the middle three and the ones who float off the strikers are the two wide players, so they stay high up the pitch. And when you've got players like James Rodriguez who are that cut above in class, you can always hurt someone because the second we get out of, you know, we transition from defence, instead of, you know, back when we had Martinez, we'd have to, you know, look for Barkley to spray it wide to find Lukaku on the break. We're just literally going from defence straight to James to who releases either Dean or he releases Charleston, who then puts it in for Calvert-Lewin. Like, it's a lot quicker and a lot less, you know, has to go through a lot less players. It's a lot less ponderous, like which is what Martinez's football often became notorious for. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's just a really good balance in the team. And as long as we can keep this eleven fit, I think we're on to be in the mix this season because we've got a very good team. And as long as we're able to play that team, I think we'll give anyone a game. Yeah, definitely. And that's a great way to finish it. We'll give anyone a game. So on to the derby. But for you podcast listeners, you know what it's time for. It's the end of the show when we finish with the classic quiz. Dan versus Terry in a head-to-head. I think I let Dan pick heads or tails last time. So, Terry, it's your turn. Heads or tails, mate? Heads. It is heads. Terry, first or second? 
Second, please. Of course, you're going second. He only ever wins when he goes second. And with that in mind, I'll reveal the fixture in question. And the fixture is... We've done a lot of talk about the transformation under Carlo Ancelotti. And we'll go back to Carlo's very first game in charge on Boxing Day last year. We have Everton 1, Burnley 0. 14 players to choose from. We'll start with you, Dan. Um, well, the goal scorer, Calvert-Lewin. The goal scorer, Calvert-Lewin, correct. Uh, Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman played. Dean. Lucas Dean played. Jordan Pickford. Jordan Pickford played. Sigurdsson. Gilfie Sigurdsson played. Holgate. Mason Holgate played. With at the back, oh. I'm gonna have a toss between me and Keane. It was not Keane. Ah. So that means Terry's the quiz winner, but we might as well play through the rest of this team. Terry, do you have a guess who wasn't centre back instead? Yeni Mina. It was Yeni Mina. Dan. I remember watching this game and me had fallen off watching it going. Are they playing three at the back? Because I we obviously didn't know he was gonna that was gonna be a thing yet. And I kept seeing Coleman tuck in uh, and make a back three. And that, that was me me obviously the goal that was scored with you know um the Calvert Lewin as Um but that that and the the fact that we had a back three was me over memories of the game. So I remembered the back four like perfectly because I remembered the way I was looking at it. So, so far, we've got Pickford, Coleman, Mina, Holgate, Dean and Calvert-Lewin and Sigurdsson. We've got one, two, three, four more outfield players from the start and the three subs. Uh, is it my goal? It is your goal, Dan. Uh, uh, Richarlison. Richarlison started and got subbed. Tom Davies. Tom Davies was one of the used substitutes. Um, Bernard. Bernard started and got subbed. Hmm. Two more starters and two more subs. Four four two. We've got the back four. We've got Bernard Sigurdsson. Calvert-Lewin, Richarlison, Walcott. Theo Walcott was one of the used substitutes. Oh, God. So but one more sub and two more starters. As a starters, pick and team. Uh, God. I'm going to... I don't know. Uh, I'm just going to wing it. Yeah, because uh, I'm under pressure to say Tosin. <laughs> Jenk Tolson did not come on. He was an unused sub. Um, well, if Walcott didn't start on the right, it would have been Sadibe. It was Sadibe, and of course he crossed the ball in for Calvert-Lewin's header. So one more starter and one more sub. 
hat's... Oh. Uh... Oh god, I'm stuck. <laughs> the centre midfielder. That's the only one we haven't got. Another centre midfielder. It's not Davies. And it's we've had Sig. Was it Delph? It was Fabian Delph. Which leaves us with one more used substitute. My God. Oh my God. Uh... <laughs> was it Moise Keane? It was Moise Keane. Yeah. I was going to say Michael Keane, but he said that and you said no, didn't you? So Yeah. That's uh, when I yeah. was going between Centre Arth. I was thinking who who else partners all gate. I saw I just took a, a guess at it. <laughs> So yeah, there you have it. It was Pickford, Coleman, Mina, Holgate, Dean, Sadibe, Sigurdsson, Delph, Bernard, Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. The used subs were Walcott, Tom Davis and Moise Keane. And the unused subs were Stecklenberg, Michael Keane, Baines and Tosin. So there you have it. Teddy wins another quiz after going second. And of course, you get to pick a song to see us out at the end of the show. What are you going to go with, Teddy? You know what? I'm going to go with a song that I'm dedicating to Dominic Calvert-Lewin and it's um, Working Class Hero by John Lennon. Excellent. An excellent way to... There you go. Worked his way up. Good way of finishing it off there and there you have it, guys. We'll finish with an ode to Dominic Calvert-Lewin as he gets ready for his England debut. Working Class Hero from John Lennon. And until next time, guys, thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues, and we'll see you later. Till the pain is so big you feel nothing at all A working-class hero is something to be A working-class hero is something to be They hurt you at home and they hit you at school They hate you if you're clever and they despise a fool Till you're so fucking crazy you can't follow their rules A working class hero is something to be Working class hero is something to be When they've tortured and scared you for twenty odd years Then they expect you to pick a career When you can't really function you're so full of fear Working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be Keep it doped with religion and sex and TV And you think you're so clever and classless and free But you're still fucking peasants as far as I can see 
A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be There's room at the top, they are telling you still First you must learn how to smile as you kill If you want to be like the folks on the hill A working class hero is something to be A working class hero is something to be If you want to be a hero, well, just follow me If you want to be a hero, well, just follow me